All right, well, if you would turn with me in your copies of God's Word to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, going to be in verses 10 through 12. You'll find that on, if you're following along in the Pew Bible, that'll be on page 1,245. 1,245 in the Pew Bible, Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 12. The word of the Lord says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this word that you bring to us this morning out of Ephesians. I pray that you would prepare our hearts to receive it and that you would prepare uh, my mouth to proclaim it. And it's in Jesus' name I ask these things. Amen. It's been quite a journey through Ephesians, hasn't it? Paul has told us about the riches that we have in Christ in chapter 1 and how everything is being summed up in Christ, the ruler of all. He has showed us how we have been dead in our trespasses and sins, but yet how he has made us alive to be a new church filled with both Jews and Gentiles in one church. He has exhorted us to live a life that's worthy of the calling of being sons of God, those that have an inheritance. And we've been spelling out in the last few weeks what this has looked like in the house, what this looks like between what this new life looks like between a husband and a wife, parents and children, and slaves and masters. There's a lot that we have to cover here. So he, Paul, is now moving into this final phase of his letter. He's getting to the point where he is going to sum up everything that he has been saying and giving us one final exhortation. To sum this up, what Paul is telling us here is that we need to be strong in the Lord because there is a battle with personal spiritual beings raging in a world that we as Christians are a part of. In order to survive such a battle, we need to put on the armor that God has given to us. Anything else, as one scholar put it, is a breastplate of spider webs that will fall apart at the first strike. So let's take a look at verse 10 as it begins. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Paul is using three different words for strength to really drive home the fact of how powerful Christ is. It's hard sometimes to, to look at things the way that it's rendered, but we need to focus when it says, be strong in the Lord. This is not something that we, this is a passive verb he is calling us to do. In other words, this is not something we are actively strengthening ourselves. We don't have any strength to do that. All of that strength that we have to fight the spiritual battles that, that we need to fight is given to us in Christ, in his resources. This is something that we have to be reminded of often. And I think particularly for us as Americans, because it's the ideal of the, the rugged 
self-starter who's pulled himself up by his bootstraps, I don't need anybody, I can depend on myself, is a big part of our culture. And Paul is taking a big strike to that and saying, we are not strong enough to do that. We have to be strengthened in the Lord, passively falling back into the resources that Christ has given to us and continue to do so. This is not something that's like, well, I prayed my prayer, so that was my falling back into it. No, this is us continually using the strength that God gives to us. Now, how do we do that? How do we fall back on this strength? Well, as it says in verse 11, it's going to be putting on the full armor of God. We'll be unpacking what that full armor of God is next week when Parker um, unfolds all of that. But for now, what we do is we rest in the power that God has given to us. And this is the same power that he has used to raise Christ from the dead. If you look back in Ephesians chapter 1, turn there with me. Ephesians chapter 1, take a look in verse 15, kind of give us a running start. Paul says in verse 15 of chapter 1, for this reason... Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and here's the key, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. The same power that is at work in Christ in raising him physically from the dead is the same work, that's the same power that's at work in you to raise you spiritually from the dead. You say, sin has such a terrible hold on me. It's like, fall back into the power that Christ has given. Rely on him, asking him for his help. Because this incredibly strong, mighty power is yours. So these are the resources that he has given to us. So we see in verse 11 why we're having to do all of this. Go back now into Ephesians chapter 6. Back into verse 11. We know that we're supposed to be strong in the Lord, relying on his power alone. But why? You look into the second half of verse 11, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Note the plural there. The devil is not a one-trick pony. He does not only have one strategy. And as long as you can figure out that one strategy, you'll be okay. Unfortunately, the devil is a very crafty being. And his strategies have, are something that he has had thousands of years to refine. So when he tells us, when, when God says that we are to do battle with spiritual forces in the heavenly places, that we are, he, is not, he is calling us to not underestimate our foe. That we are to remember that this is a spiritual fight. This is difficult for us to remember, I think, because we tend to live in a very naturalistic world. We've learned a lot about the physical world. We've, we've spied more into science than we ever have before. And what this has tend to do is this tends to dull our spiritual senses. 
of which other cultures have not lost theirs. But we have pushed this spiritual fight to the back burner because it's like, well, we can explain all these things with science. I remember one quote, I wish I could remember who had said it. They said that the greatest trick that the devil ever pulled off was getting people to believe he wasn't real. And it's true. It's one of his schemes that he is willing to throw at us. He is very clever. And he tells us this because it is possible for us to give the devil a foothold. It's possible for us to lower our guard and let him have impact on our lives. Turn back with me once more into Ephesians chapter 4, just one page back. We're going to be in verse 26, chapter 4. It says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Paul is not just using words to be clever or scary. These are schemes of evil forces that are personal in nature. This is not just, you know, uh, thoughts of the age or philosophies of our time. No, these are real, personal, spiritual beings that have an agenda and want to see you fail. They can't take your salvation. God has that secure. But they can make you ineffective for what God has called you to do. And when we leave ourselves open to attack, when we put aside our our prayers and our times with God's word, reminding us of how much we need his strength, when we open ourselves up to temptation and give in to those desires, we open up those weak points. And that's exactly what what the devil is looking for. And it's exactly what the sin that is inside us is searching for, is opportunity. They're looking for those weak spots. That's exactly what he wants us to do. One scholar put it this way, evil rarely looks evil until it accomplishes its goal. It gains entrance by appearing attractive and perfectly legitimate. And another scholar had said, you know, that he objected to the way that the devil is mostly portrayed as some hideous being with two big horns and a pitchfork or something like that. He says, the devil doesn't look like that. Oftentimes, the devil looks like exactly everything you've hoped for. Anything you could have ever wanted is typically what he will look like. This is our enemy. But note, in verse 11, that we are not called to advance here. We're called to stand against the schemes of the devil. Why is that important? Jesus has already won this victory. He's already conquered the land that's in front of him. The victory is assured. We just need to stand and hold our position. The victory is assured there's just some cleanup work that has yet to be done. And that's what we are called to do. So when we look into verse 12, we're not supposed to be despairing, but cautious. Look how it says here in verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 
Now, there's a lot here. So let's take a look at this one step at a time. Notice he's changing our metaphor a little bit here in verse 12. For we do not wrestle. We had started out with a military metaphor of putting on the full armor, but now we're changing to a sporting metaphor. We're a little confused as to why he, he does this, but, uh, but the scholars feel like that the, he's using this term here because wrestling would be something that would be very personal. This is a very face-to-face intense struggle. This is not spiritual warfare by drone strike or arrow shot. This is done in hand-to-hand combat, wrestling, fighting very desperately for your advantage. When you are in a wrestling match, you do not pause (laughs) and give the enemy a chance to see where you are weak. You're constantly grappling, looking for the weakness of your opponent to be able to pin them to the mat. And that's the kind of struggle that Paul is envisioning here. The Christian life, as one scholar put it, is not a walk through the mall. But this is a daring struggle that we're called to. And then he says, reminding us of who our enemy is, that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. This was actually a term that generals would use when they would try to motivate their troops to fight better. Because they would say something like, we are not fighting against our enemy's gods, we are just fighting against flesh and blood. Things that are mortal and easy to conquer. That's what Paul is warning us about here. We are not fighting things that are easily conquered or could be conquered by a bullet or a sword. We're fighting against things that can only be fought against with the word of God and the shield of faith. Things and resources that we have to be given in order to fight. It also helps shape a dynamic of how we can approach conflict with other people. That in most of the time, if you're going to have a conflict with someone, there is a sin at some point, either with one, the other, or both, that needs to, that is the true problem that we're dealing with. And that really changes how we approach conflict. If we were to approach wrongdoing in terms of there is spiritual warfare happening here, and we're going to approach it in ways that, are, that is soaked with prayer and the word of God instead of how I can get back at the person that hurt me. It would change how conflict is done, wouldn't it? Now, as I said before, in some sense, we could walk away from this passage and be terrified and say, it's like, okay, well, I liked it better when my biggest problem was my boss. I could deal with that. I liked it better when my biggest problem was my spouse or my siblings, my biggest point of conflict. Now I'm finding out that it's the spiritual forces in heavenly places. I can't even see them. How are we supposed to fight? Well, notice how in this thing, when he's talking about these, he lays out all of these, ver- of these nouns of these people, cosmic powers, spiritual forces in the heavenly places. There have been some that have tried to like figure out maybe, maybe these are like ranks of spiritual beings. All that would just be pure speculation. What he is showing us is that these are spiritual forces that, are, that we're dealing with. Notice where he puts them, though. Against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places at the end. I want us to turn back one last time to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to take a look at verse 20. Talking about the power 
that he has worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come, and has put all things under his feet. These same powers exist in the very place where Christ rules with absolute authority. The forces of evil have been conquered. They're done. Their defeat is absolutely certain. So now what we're called to do is to stand firm in the ground that he's already won. So what do we take away from all this? What do we take away from Ephesians chapter 6? Well, the most important thing is that Jesus has conquered our foes. We don't need to despair of them, but we do need to take up the spiritual resources that God offers us in Christ. Don't be cocky and leave your sword of God on the shelf. God gave you that for a reason. You'll see some people on TV that are running around claiming that they're knocking demons out of people and it's just and they, they do it by their own power and they approach it in a very cocky fashion saying that this is something that I have been given. This is when we are, when we are doing battle, we are completely reliant on what God has done. Always coming back to him with an attitude of dependence. Christ is the conqueror, not you. But he has empowered you to go and to deal with the conflicts that he has given to you. The sin, sin does not have to overwhelm you anymore. It can be dealt with. So because of that, reach out for those resources that he gives to you. Don't get cocky. And don't reach out for other things that won't help in the spiritual fight. Don't reach out for the bottle when God gave you the Bible. Don't reach for numbing entertainment when he's given you prayer. That one's directed at me. Because I tend to do that. It's just a lot easier to just pretend like your problems don't exist instead of just dealing with them. But we can deal with those problems. We can deal with these forces because Christ has conquered it all. And has now given us strength to be able to tackle these things that he has called us to do. He's not called for us to go out and win the battle. He's already done it. He's just called us to stand firm and keep that victory that he has. He's won. So live in that. Be strengthened and encouraged by that. Jesus' victory is going to be what we celebrate in this meal here today. This is a reminder and a spiritual strengthener as well. To fight the battle that he has called us to stand firm in. That's what we declare when we come to this meal. So he's won. So stand. Fight back against evil forces. Spread the gospel far and wide. Proclaiming his victory. Resting in that every step of the way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this victory that you have won. Lord, we thank you that you have conquered these spiritual forces and that they lie defeated at your feet. Lord, we know that there are times in which we don't feel that victory. Sometimes where we feel like that we just keep losing. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to rest more in your power, that we would rely more on your strength, that we would stop looking to ourselves for power, 
but that we would look to you for power to fight back temptation and sin. Lord, I pray that as we now come to this table, that you would prepare our hearts just to receive it, to be strengthened by it. And Lord, I pray that we would rest in your victory. And it's in Jesus' name I ask these things. Amen.